Hello, I'm Mark Chapman and I'm back with some good news. I'll be hosting the Athletic Football Podcast four times a week. I'll be joined by the likes of Adam Crafton, David Ornstein, Flo Lloyd-Hughes, Matt Slater and plenty more of the Athletic's brilliant journalists. And together, we'll bring you the best insight into the biggest football stories. So that's every single week, Monday to Thursday. And if you like what we do, then please follow and subscribe to The Athletic Football Podcast in all the usual places. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello and welcome to Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Well, the season has started as well as last season started badly and we'll work our way through some of the talking points from the win over Palace on Friday night. Uh, We'll also have a quick chat about the first three episodes of the All or Nothing documentary on Amazon. Although I have to be honest at this point and say I haven't watched a single second of it except for the bits that they've put out. Um, But I know our guests have seen bits of it. And our guests this week, I can see them on the Zoom screen, Adrian Clark, and a warm welcome back to James McNicholas. Afternoon. Afternoon, Ian. All right, Stoney. Afternoon. Nice to see you guys. We are going to spend quite a lot of this podcast talking about William uh, Saliba after his wonderful performance uh, on Friday night. He was described by um, people who love these sort of cliches as a Rolls Royce of a defender. People don't really say that that much anymore. I imagine it's more of a Bugatti Veyron of a defender now. Um, (laughs) But what we thought was footballers as cars. If he's a Rolls Royce of a defender... Uh, come up with some Arsenal players and what car they would be. Uh, Adrian, I'm going to come to you uh, first. Yeah, I like this one. I do like it. Yeah, I've been guilty of the Rolls-Royce usage in the past. So, yeah, guilty as charged on that one. I've got Gabriel Jesus. And I think he has to be an electric car because he's been absolutely electric during pre-season. Ever since he's put on the red and white shirt... That's what he's been. That's a word that, that that keeps coming into my mind when I think about him. You've got to have something that that travels very very quickly. So yeah, the one of the fastest electric cars out there, the Tesla Roadster, little coupe. I think that that suits <laughs> that suits Gabriel Jesus down to the ground. I've got to be honest, James. Way more specific than I thought he'd be. The, the Tesla he's really Roadster set the bar coupe. high. Yes, to be honest, there's no way I can match this. What have you got, James? By the way, on, on the subjects of cars. I know we're going to talk about the All or Nothing documentary later, but there's a clip in it where Granite Shacker turns up at London Colney in a smart car um, mm. and he leans out the window and tells everyone it's the best car in the world. So whether or not that makes Granite Shacker a smart car, I don't know. I think of him more as a kind of rumbling four by four. But I went for Bukayo Saka as an Aston Martin, you know, classy but homegrown. Um, so that was my choice. <laughs> That's very, very, very nice. I mean, we did have a suggestion uh, of uh, uh, Lucas Torreira, still uh, officially an Arsenal player at the moment as a mini, <laughs> yeah. which I think is pretty funny, uh, to be honest with you. I don't know what, what let's say Clubman Estate, uh, to make Adrian happy if he wants something uh, specific. Do you know what? I mean, I did mention Bugatti Veyrons. I mean, uh, Gabriel Martinelli, when his acceleration 
is exceptional. So I would uh, take Gabriel Martinelli as a Bugatti Veyron. Uh, also uh, quite temperamental, I think. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and I don't know, I was going to go hard to fix, but I have no idea if they are or not. <laughs> so there you go. One thing on, on Gabriel Martinelli, by the way, I keep hearing from people inside the club, is he's a good lad. They say he's a really, he's, he's quite fun, but he's also one of the, one of the friendlier players um with people outside the dressing room so just a little it's good to know that i think because he's he's young but he's he's uh, he's keeping it real he still talks to still talks to other people apart from players which is nice he, he, he's a, he is quite a funny bloke like, i had a brief chat with him in america and, and i asked him um you know i was like i i phrased the question quite badly but i was like obviously when you arrived and when you were young and he went i'm still young <laughs> i was like yeah, okay. He is still young. Yeah. He is still I, I was young. like, no, sorry, you are still young. You are still young. You forget how young he is still. Well, to be fair, the oldest person in the squad is still young, James. All right? I True. mean, Compared to me, definitely. Yeah. Game. For William to ask him to come here, his first Premier League game away from home against this physical team is, is a big task. And the way the boy played and the way he resolved every situation, he deserves a lot of credit. So it was Crystal Palace nil, Arsenal 2 on Friday night. And it was a solid, if not entirely, uh, straightforward victory. I mean, the big talking point was the performance of William uh, Saliba at centre-back. James, you were right. I mean, are you walking around with a sort of badge of vindication, essentially? (laughs) I mean, you've been talking about him for about three years, essentially, saying, oh, my God, you wait till you see him. And we saw bits of him. But in the flesh, I wasn't there, but in the flesh, watching the game on Friday night, I'm like, oh, my God, what have we got here? Do you know what's really funny? As you say, I've spent three years kind of uh, hopping back and forward to France, telling everyone how good William Saliba is. And after the weekend... My instinct is to be like, everyone calm down. It was only one game. And it's simply because, uh, you know, any centre-half is, is it's all about the consistency of performance. And I think there are going to be further tests ahead for him. All that said, it was a really encouraging debut and he fitted in seamlessly and showed what he's all about. You know, the physicality, the commanding presence he has, which is... It's kind of preternatural, really. I mean, it, you know, it, the fact that he's 21 it's, it feels absurd when you watch him because he has such composure, such coolness, both on and off the ball. It was a really good debut at a difficult ground. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I can tell everyone's buzzing about it. And I'm really pleased we've got to this point because, you know, it's no secret that for a long time I, I wasn't necessarily convinced we would see Saliba turn up in an Arsenal shirt. So delighted that he has and delighted that he started so well. Uh, Adrian feels like a new sign-in, doesn't it, really? I mean, I suppose it is, in a sense. He, I know he's been with us for three years, but he hasn't played for us. Have you ever seen a debut like that? Oof, I, I can't remember one as standout impressive as that from, from a new Arsenal defender. It, it was excellent. It really was. It, it was immaculate. I think that was the word that I would use to, to describe him. I think I said last week that if I could pick a match that would be tough, really tough for a debutant Premier League defender, especially a young guy, Palace away would be in the top three. It's a real test because of their physicality, because of the pace of their forwards, the way they, they, they come at you. And he handled everything with you know real calmness, very measured. And he was decisive in 
in a, in a calm way. So he just, when, when danger came near him, he stepped forward, he didn't hesitate, and he was just clean with the way that he regained the ball, um, sort of using timing and strength perfectly. So, yeah, we, yeah spoiler alert, he's, he's my main man on the breakdown this week, that is for sure. <laughs> I think he was main man for, for a lot of people watching. It was, um, yeah, very impressive because this kid had not played a Premier League match before. And it yeah. looked like he'd played 200. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, impressive. Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher spent about 15 minutes talking about him. Jamie Carragher, of course, made him man of the match. I mean, is he first choice straight away now, James? I mean, you've written a whole piece about him. And as you've said in the piece that, you know, there are tough tests to come. Of course there are. But we, if he keeps playing like this, he's undroppable, isn't he, really? Well, he's, he's the guy who's got the shirt and... I think one of the things really interesting, and I, I wrote about this in, in the piece that you mentioned, is that last season it was incredibly clear what Arsenal's first choice back four was. You know, we could all name it. It'd be Tierney, Gabriel, White, Tommy Asu, and it tripped off the tongue. And to be honest, when Arsenal didn't have, you know, one or two components from that unit in place, they struggled. And we saw a lot of that towards the end of the season um, when they kind of limped over the finish line, really, with a, a few injury problems at centre half and at the back in general. Um, now it's much harder to say definitively what Arsenal's first choice back four is. And I think by and large, that's a good thing. I think there's depth. I think there's quality. You know, there's going to be a lot more football to play with Europe as well to contend with. But Saliba is the man in possession and I don't see him being moved anytime soon. I mean, his partnership with Gabriel, I don't think Gabriel had his best game at Soho's Park, but... The physicality they have between them, it's a great foundation for this Arsenal team. And I was really intrigued by the performance of Ben White at right back. I mean, we've seen him playing there a little bit last season and, and a fair bit in pre-season too. And Arteta said after the game that he really likes playing there. I think, to be honest, that's because when Arsenal are in possession, a lot of the time he's not playing there. He's playing almost inside as a kind of deep midfield playmaker, a bit like the way Man City use their fullbacks. But I think, you know, that is a way of getting all three into the team at the same time. And I, I think we might see that a fair bit this season. I know Tommy Asu was outstanding at times last season, but obviously he's had injury problems. So, uh, yeah, I think I think Saliba's going to get plenty of football. And at the present point in time, it, yeah, you couldn't drop him, could you? Go on, I couldn't. No, you couldn't. Couldn't drop him at all. I, I have a feeling we're going to see competition for places at fullback rather than centre back this season. I think that White and Tommy Asu is is a very good competition actually at right back. I'd probably give it to Tommy Asu because it's his more natural position at the moment. But White up against, let's be honest, Wilf Zaha is one of the most dangerous left wingers in the entire country. It's a nightmare for defenders to face. And there were some hairy moments for Ben White. But overall, I think he acquitted himself pretty well. Um, and then on the other side, Tierney and Zinchenko, both very, very good players in, in their own right. So I, I wouldn't mess with the centre-halves, not based on what I've seen in pre-season and what I've seen, obviously, at Selhurst Park. I think so it's, it's hard luck on Ben White, really is, because he, he he had a pretty good first season. But he'll get games though, won't he? As, he as, will, as Joe but, said, everyone will get yeah, games. Yeah, but Saliba Gabriel looks it looked a formidable looks partnership. Very solid. No, yeah. I agree. And and James, I saw. I think it was you having a conversation with Tim Stillman on Twitter about Ben White and about how 
to a certain extent, people get judged on the first few touches. And after that, their performance is seen through that prism. Ben White gave the ball away a couple of times. As Adrian said, he's up against Will Zaha, one of the best players in that position on the league. Actually, after that, he didn't do too much wrong. He got a book in um, when um, when uh, Zaha did him with a little spin and turn. He pulled his shirt. But really... Zaha didn't offer that much threat for the game, and that is credit to Ben White playing in that position. Out of position, I might add. Yeah, I think people who've played a lot more football at right-back than Ben White will have much more difficult games against Wilfred Zaha. You know, he is just one of those players who one-on-one is a nightmare. There are very few better in the league, as Adrian says. And I thought... I thought White coped pretty admirably with that. And and when he didn't, Saliba was there to back him up. So I think Arsenal ultimately won the battle on that side of the pitch uh, in the defensive third. And White, you know, he brings a lot to the team in terms of his passing wasn't the best, actually, uh, on Friday night. And he wasn't alone in that, in the Arsenal team, particularly. Well, James, can I just butt in at that point? When yeah. we see Joachim Anderson and the way he was passing, and that was causing us more problems than anything. And you're thinking... I'm not sure we got a defender who has a range of passing like that. Well, if we do, it's probably white. But yeah. I, I think Joachim Anderson is, you know, he's outstanding in that respect. And he, he was the same against Arsenal in this fixture last season. Um, those raking diagonals into the corners to find Palace's wingers who've got speed, who can run in behind. He's very, very good in that respect. And and I think White's range of passing is is a big factor in why Arteta likes him so much and why he wanted to pay £50 million for him. So I think we are going to see him play plenty of football. But it is a fascinating puzzle to put together that back four. I do suspect there might be a bit of a horses-for-courses approach. You know, I think there are games that will suit, say, a Kieran Tierney more than a Zinchenko, games where Arsenal might be more on the back foot or more in the defensive third. And, and maybe the same will be true to an extent with White and Tomiyasu on the right. Maybe there'll be games where Arsenal will be very dominant in possession and, Ar- and Arteta will feel... I want White in there among my centre-halves because of the ball progression that he brings. The good thing is that he's got options, options. now. And, and with yeah. you know two games a week for big spells of the season, he's going to need that. There's going to be plenty of football to go around. Do you think we might go to a back three at some point, Adrian? I mean, I know it's not Mikel Arteta's preferred option, but we do have the personnel to do it now, don't we, on both sides? Uh, yeah, I don't see it happening that often from the start of matches. But I think in-game... Absolutely. I, I think that especially if we're chasing a goal, I can see a fullback coming off and going to, to a back three and, and going with two up front, for example. We saw that in pre-season and Ketir and Jesus linked up really nicely, actually, in, in some of those friendlies. So that's a definite possibility. I mean, in possession, when we're playing, knocking the ball around, we often look like a back three anyway, especially, mm. especially when Tierney's playing and he, he's... He's up on that left wing. <laughs> so forward. Yeah, exactly. Point, I, I'm not too hung up on formations, really. I, I just think we've got two new, excellent defensive options. So instead of having a strong four, we've now got a strong six. That's it's a great place to be, isn't it? I think so. Because let's face it, we're going to get injuries. We're going to, whether we, yeah. whether we, you know, want to sort of pretend it's not going to happen or not. But it's going to happen. So we've got two two great people to come in, whoever they are. Great. Um, a word uh, for the fans and the atmosphere. Uh, James, you were at the game on Friday night. I mean, all I could hear were the Arsenal fans for quite a bit of the time. And by the way, this is at Palace where they make a lot of noise. But I thought 
I thought the guys made a huge noise. And Mikel Arteta acknowledged that, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, the away support uh, were fantastic. And, it, you know, has been, to be fair, for months now. And, you know, that speaks to the connection that the, the team have managed to build with the fans and, and you know, respectively. I think that's one of the most exciting things about the season. When it came to the Emirates Cup last weekend and, you know, you couldn't get a ticket for what was effectively a friendly game, I think we all knew we were on to a good thing. You know, the, the women's game, North London Derby, sold over 20,000 tickets. This is a Port base who are really excited, really engaged about the season to come. And I'm just glad that Arsenal got the result to kind of keep that momentum building because had it been punctured by an opening day defeat, it would have been a real blow. And and I'll be honest, when that season, when that fixture list came out and I saw Friday night away to Crystal Palace, I didn't fancy it. But seeing the way the team <laughs> performed in pre-season, you know, you went there thinking actually they could do this and they could really make an impression. And in that first 20 minutes, I mean, we've spoken a lot about Saliba and the defence, but... I'm sure Adrian will have touched on this in the breakdown. The first 20 minutes of football mm. Arsenal played was scintillating stuff. Oh, it really it was. was. Yeah, it it quietened the crowd, didn't it? Because that that's mission number one. Every away game, particularly Palace away, but every away game, quieten the home fans down. Kill it. Kill the, kill the vibe by being, you know, dominant and imposing. And that's what Arsenal were. I mean, the first time Jesus got it, he went on an inc- he knocked someone over and then he went on this incredible dribble didn't he, he megged one of the players and he did a little little uh, mazy dribble into the box and, and Martinelli should have scored shouldn't he it was a really bad miss yep. looking back at it but that that I think just frightened Palace's defenders witless for the next 20 minutes they were a little bit shaky I think and uh, yeah. yeah Saka was was has had some tough games against Mitchell in the past, but he was getting in behind him a little bit more often in this game. Martinelli was good. I loved, what I've loved about Arsenal in pre-season, and we saw some of this in that first 20, 30 minutes, was intricate one-touch passes, maybe two-touch as well, one and two-touch stuff in the middle of the pitch with Xhaka and Partey and Erdegaard and, and Martinelli dropping in or Jesus dropping in. Little overloads to then set it back for a midfielder to release the wide man into space. And we saw that several times in in that first half. And and that, I think, is the way Mikel wants the team to play. So, yeah, it was so many positives. Yeah, so many so positives. Many. And, yeah, we rode, and we rode the storm. It was always going to get tougher, but we didn't crack. Did we? One or two little wobbles, um, but we didn't crack under what was a pretty good effort I think from Palace um, in the Palace, half. Palace played okay I thought but you I mean, Adrian you actually wanted to talk a little bit about Arsenal's fighting qualities as well I mean I we did. There, there is a lot of fight in this team but is it has this come to I mean I'm not saying it's purely about Gabriel Jesus and the way he's turned up and he's and he's he's raised the level hasn't he and mm. and but they all seem to be pulling in the same direction don't they yeah look Arsenal People outside of Arsenal and some Arsenal fans themselves, but a lot of outsiders that don't get to watch us all the time, label us softies, don't they? That we bottle it. When the going gets tough, we get bullied, we get knocked around. And it, it that did happen last year at times. It happened at Palace. In this match, it didn't happen. In, in fact, the the numbers tell speak a, the completely opposite story. I looked at at the tackles, for example. I mean, Pep Guardiola would scoff, of course, at tackling stats. But look, let's go with it. We made 29 tackles to Palace's 18. 29 tackles is a lot. And it shows that we're abrasive, we're hostile, we're willing to 
to to get stuck in. We won 16 tackles compared to Palace's nine. You look at the duels. Duels won. It's sort of a 50-50 battle. Who's going to come out on top? We won 57.6% of duels. So we outfought Crystal Palace in that regard. And what about in the air? So often a weak link for Arsenal. Not the biggest at the back in previous years. Well, we won 58.3% of aerial duels as well. So, so the numbers tell you that we competed physically with Palace as well as sort of outplaying them for, for spells of that game as well. So yeah, that was really pleasing for, for me and I'm, I'm sure for the manager as well. Do we need to calm down, James, as you said at this point? I mean, we've had a great pre-season. We've obviously started brilliantly with a win at a very tough place. Crystal Palace got more points against top six teams than any other teams except Liverpool and Man City last year. It really couldn't have gone much better. Maybe a 3-0, but essentially a 2-0 win away at Palace is a great result. Do we need to have a, a just a sense of, hang on, it's still a young team. We were talking about a centre-half who's 21 years old. Most of the big centre-halves in the league are 30-plus. Yeah, I, I think, to be honest, I think in some respects this performance was kind of ideal for expectations because Arsenal got the result that they wanted, but it wasn't a perfect performance. You know, there were, particularly in the second half, there were ways in which kind of the principles of the play maybe weren't applied as consistently as Arteta would like. You know, I think we didn't play in the opponent's half as much as he would ideally want. So I think if you're a coach... You're looking at it and you're thinking, well, we got the result and we showed real determination, real fighting spirit, as Adrian said, uh, and we ground out the result. But there are things to improve on. And I think that's quite a nice place to be after one game. And I think one of the other reasons there's a lot of optimism around, and I think it's justified, is that Arsenal's fixture list coming up is relatively favourable. I mean, they've got a home game against Leicester this weekend. The atmosphere at the Emirates Stadium is going to be fantastic for that. Saturday afternoon, you know, people have been waiting a long time for it and there's a lot of excitement about this team and that's been maintained by the Palace result. Then they go to Bournemouth, who admittedly started well, but you'd fancy Arsenal there. And then at home to Fulham, who again started well against Liverpool, but that's a game Arsenal will feel they could win. And, you know, you look at the start Arsenal had last season, they were so on the back foot. We've all been reliving it via the documentary, the pain of that. They could be in a really decent position coming towards the end of the first month of the season. And, and you know, they've got a, a, a home game, I think, against Aston Villa as well. So on the 31st. So it, it looks encouraging. And I, I don't want to dampen expectations or optimism too much because I think there's genuine cause for it. I think we're seeing the benefit of a really consistent, stable pre-season, working with the same group of players, not too many major injuries, a lot of the business done early, and that's paying dividends on the pitch. And hopefully it will continue to do so over the next few games. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, In the second half, we'll talk a little bit about the All or Nothing uh, documentary and also possibly about the one or two players who might be coming in in the remaining few weeks of the transfer window. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at the time. 
Ian Stone here with James McNicholas and Adrian Clark on the Handbrake Off podcast. Did we see that Nuno Tavares scored, by the way, cut inside for, um, was it Marseille? And, he did that uh, for, the, for us against Rangers, didn't he, on his debut for us in pre-season? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I was glad to see him smiling, weren't you? I mean, I was, it was nice that he cut inside and he scored a goal. But I, I don't know, have you seen the, if you've seen the footage, I think the crowd sounds shocked. I'll be honest with you. I think there's a definite, oh my God, he scored. And then there was, because there was a pause for a second. But anyway, well done him. We're happy for him. Just by the way, on the subject of Nuno Tavares' goal, uh, Balogun came off the bench and scored for Reims in the same game. So Lovely header. Yeah. Lovely header, that. couple of Arsenal loanees on the score sheet in the same match in Liga. Uh, James, is there any news on any other players coming in. I'm hearing about a winger called Diaby. I don't know a huge amount about this chap. <laughs> anything you can tell us about him? Is he coming? Is he really good? As for Diaby, I don't know anything about that one, I have to be honest. I do know that Arsenal would like to sign a wide player if they can before the end of the window. Uh, it's a difficult market. They don't have a vast amount of options that they think are kind of the right player. So I think it's something that might go to the wire. But that is a big focus for them in, in what remains of the window, potentially central midfield as well, as well as moving players on. I mean, they've they've started with that process, but there's quite it's a few still gone, to go. It? He is on his way to Turkey. Yeah, I'm not sure it's quite tied up at this point in time, but it looks like that one is going to get done. Uh, a couple of players went out on loan, didn't they? Charlie Patino, of course, went to Blackpool. Arthur Conquest gone him, to... Apparently. Crew, yeah, he made a 20-minute cameo, Charlie Patino, and did, did very well, according to some people who were at the game. But there's a number of other squad players potentially to leave. You know, you're thinking the likes of Pablo Marie, Hector Bellerin, Bernd Leno is now gone, of course, to Fulham. Probably a little bit disappointed to start on the bench for the, their first game against Liverpool. So, yeah, there's there's business to be done, and I think Arsenal will be active right until the deadline. And to be honest, I think the kind of deals they might want to do and the fact that they might be dependent on one or two going out means that, if we're going to see business, I think it will be quite close to the deadline. There's nothing imminent at this particular point in time in terms of incomings. No, and Adrian, how do you feel mm. about that, seeing as you've been on here a few times in the past mm. few weeks talking about another striker? I mean, yeah. you know, Jesus and Nketiah, Martinelli will obviously come in with some goals and, and Bukayo Saka as well. Do you think we've got enough attacking threat to get through the season with those four and the others coming in off the bench? Not really. No, I think we do need more. Yeah, I'd like I'd like another centre forward option. That much is clear, and another wide forward would would not do any harm, would it? It's it's good, to, especially with the five sub rule. I think that you really need to to have quality options on the bench to to influence matches. And if anything happens to Jesus or or Enketia, who's going to come on in the second half, like and and help you up front? So I, I do think we need it. We don't need them here and now. We can get through this month. Of course we can. And and I, I just guess it's a business strategy from Arsenal. So we've got the key positions filled. The other ones will be a little bit more flexible with near the deadline. But the reason for going closer to the deadline is to get better prices, isn't it? It's to it's to strike yeah. a strike a good deal. Um and, and they they're well aware, I think, that the players they want to offload, that's not gonna happen until the last minute. So because clubs will wanna get good deals for them, you know, also. So, yeah, I understand it. I, I just hope a central midfielder and, and, and a striker come in. The, the, the wide forward 
thing. I'm not. I'm. I'm less worried about that because of Smith Rowe and 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 others that can play in those positions. Quite, and I guess it also depends on whether Pepe leaves as well. Um, I mean, the five sub rule, by the way, that you were mentioning. I mean, mm. I looked on the bench at the weekend. I thought there were two or three we could bring on. Are we not best placed, James, as yet to take advantage of that? I was going to ask Adrian about that, actually. It was interesting. Arteta left it, I think, until the yeah. 83rd minute before yeah. he made a change. Like, and I think he forgot. In... I think he was so wrapped up in the game, he just forgot, didn't he? <laughs> well, it, is, it was slightly striking, wasn't it, on a game where you're permitted five subs again, that it, it took yeah. him so long to make one. I mean, does that speak to, I don't know, a lack of faith in, in some of the options that were there? I think he's got immense faith in this starting eleven. That much is clear because he's three games unchanged, isn't it? I he mean, must have everyone... faith in Eddie and Ketia as well because he gave yeah. him a new contract about two months yeah, ago. Yeah, of course so. he has. I'd... Yeah, no, it doesn't mean he hasn't got faith in the subs. I just think he really likes the the eleven at the moment. But mm. but yeah, it's a long old season and we need a bit more depth. We can't fall for that again, can we? Last season, I think the primary reason we didn't make top four, apart from a crap start and an even worse finish is the fact that we didn't have a big enough squad. So let's not make that mistake again. I don't think they will. No. Uh, as far as last season was concerned, um, the All or Nothing documentary, has there been three out? I mean, it's funny because people ask me whether I'm watching it and I'm not because it feels like that was last year and, I, and I'm so invested in this year and what they're doing and I'm so enjoying it. I don't necessarily want to relive that much of last year. Adrian, you've been watching it. You want to get you want to get to know Ramsdale's dad. You're missing out there. I mean, his dad's no, I want to his get dad's to know some Ramsdale's dad. I heard he was concerned. <laughs> I heard he was a bit concerned about uh, about him uh, playing out for the back. I mean, by the way, word for that pass to Zinchenko, the one out of his hand. Uh, yeah, that, that was, was just good. Yeah, it's yeah. a thing of beauty to watch Aaron Ramsdale yeah, do that. Great that. But he also did the thing where he just whacked it straight at a Palace fan, and, and as it hit, uh, sorry, a Palace player, and as it hit him, I thought it was looping over him into the net, but it turns out to be going wide. But yeah. um, okay, yeah, well maybe it, it'll personalise things for. It, it'll give you more of a feeling, I think, of of what the players are, are like as people. And I don't think that's a. A bad thing. Um, I just, I've, I've only had time to see one episode. I've just been absolutely manic um, since it was released. So um, yeah, this week I'll catch up. I think James is James is there, aren't you? You're waiting for episode four. Yeah, are, not actually, in, are we not in it? By the way, I think I think I think, it, I think some of us are here and there. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've heard um, little clips and, and bits and pieces. We we all yeah. sign various release forms, you know, signing over our souls yeah. essentially. So I, I should hope we're in it, but. Um, <laughs> I think I think it is episode definitely five, worth it. Apparently. <laughs> episode five. Episode five, we're told. I'll I certainly watch that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely watch that one. I think that one actually focuses on the January transfer window and Aubameyang's exit. So that that could be quite an interesting one. I, right. I, I genuinely have really enjoyed it, and um, I, because as Adrian says, for me, it's the insight into the people. We see the players on a match day, and we see them on the pitch, but our level of access to them even in within the industry of kind of journalism or media is relatively limited. And so the curtain being lifted a little bit and showing us the personalities behind the players, it is an interesting insight. And, you know, you mentioned Nuno Tavares. He's somebody who in the third episode, for example, gets quite a lot of focus and there's a lot of talk about his personality and the coaching staff trying to bring him out of his shell and without giving the whole thing away. They talk about the fact that when he makes a mistake, he carries it with him and how he needs to learn to shed that. 
And it just it casts a slightly different perspective on players and makes you think about your analysis of them in a, a slightly different way. And I think that's healthy and I think it's interesting. Of course, it's not going to be, it's never going to be a warts and all, you know, expose because the club no. have an editorial hand in it. But nevertheless, I think if you're an engaged Arsenal fan, it's interesting. And while I take your point, Ian, about uh, last season, you've got to remember there were there were lots of high points last season too that are fun to relive. You know, the, the episode about the North London derby, the home one, is great. I just won't be watching the the away one. No, no, quite. Um, I did enjoy. I have. I mean, look, I have seen little bits of it. I saw Stuart McFarlane doing the team talk, and it was exactly how I imagine Stuart McFarlane would do the team talk. It was a fan, and and he is a fan. Uh, I did say the other day on the radio, I'd like to see Mikel Arteta take some photos just to see, you know, for balance, if you like. But, um, <laughs> I, and I did enjoy that. And I and I do see there's a connection. I like I like the way that Mikel Arteta talks to, um, talks to the players. I mean, it's getting through, isn't it, Adrian? That's the point. I mean, obviously, we laid the groundwork to a bit, uh, to a certain extent last season. And I guess now is the time to deliver, isn't it? And, and, and it, I guess it'd be interesting if things work out as well as we hope they do, just to see the sort of groundwork being laid. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it's re- it's going to be really insightful. I can't wait to see it because I, I'm seeing things that I I don't have access to at all. You know, I'm a freelancer. Yeah, I do bits of work for Arsenal, but, you know, I just come come and go. You know, I'm a freelancer. So Adrian, see- how, how how different does it look from when you were a player? By the from way? when I was a player? Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the thing that's really interesting for me. Um... First of all, the dressing rooms are full of a lot more people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. there he's, was a, some... he's a nutritionist. Oh, that's the Pilates teacher but over you... there. Well, I can yeah. only imagine. I mean, when they get to some of the away grounds, it must be an absolute bottleneck trying to trying to um, you know get your towel or something or try to get to the shower. It's um, yeah, so many people in there. But no, I mean, football doesn't change that much. I don't think the training sessions will be radically different or the or the team talks necessarily it's what goes on around the players that's different now everything's bigger more scrutinized more you've got so many support staff there um that i think is the key change it's still it's still the same sport and and the messages are still delivered in in a similar way um so yeah but i'm I'm fascinated do they still go to the same pubs after the game? I, don't know <laughs> I very much doubt that, but yeah, I di- I didn't go to the pubs after the games either. I think I think that I was, wasn't casting that pre- aspersions. That predated me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but no, okay. it's, it's 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 really interesting. I I think anyone that likes football would be interested in this documentary, not just not just Arsenal supporters. And I just hope that on the balance that we come out of it looking better. Than worse, um, so and I'm sure I'm sure we will, even though there's not a happy ending. Uh, and, well, oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> um, okay, fair enough. I'll tell you what. Then uh, let's have a song uh, to finish off. Then um, can I go first? By the way, can I go first? Because I just I've got um, uh, I picked uh, Friday. I'm in love by the Cure. Because uh, it was a good uh, Friday night, and Very good. I am really starting to love this team. And um, hopefully, they uh, it will be um, it unrequited, unre- not unrequited. <laughs> it's, it's actually is that right? Anyway, I hope it's given back to me, and I'm sure it will be. Uh, James, what you got? Um, I picked. Well, 
Zinchenko had himself a, a new chant on Friday night. So, uh, so I've picked uh, Gold by Spando Ballet, which because that was the that uh, was. tune that was repurposed for him. Zinchenko. Oh, that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Always believe in yourself. Exactly. I enjoyed Martin Kemp singing it on uh, social media. That was that was yeah, nice. that was great. Yeah. Zinchenko, always believe in your soul. You got the power to know you're indestructible. Always believe in. Yeah, yeah. you did actually. By the way, there was a tweet, wasn't there? That I saw his face. It was William Saliba. Uh, that was you, <sighs> yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that, I mean, I, that was just—I was just throwing that in the mix for the people to do with what they will. But I feel yeah, like there you might know be the, something in that. Yeah, not a trace of doubt in his mind. I'm in love with William Saliba, but it's hard to find a rhyme for Saliba. Yeah, and I know. I'm a, yeah, but you know, keep keep working at it, listener. If you can come up with any, uh, James, what well, you got? Not James, go with, sorry, go, Adrian, what you got? Just go with Believer. But yeah, I'm a believer in William Saliba. But yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Has he solved it? Has he solved it straight away? I don't <laughs> I think don't you should know. use the original lyrics. That's the point. <laughs> what you got, that was Adrian? on my shortlist. It was on my shortlist. I'm hoping. By the way, I've got we got a new Breakdown live show. I'm going to plug it here if you'll let me. Um, on the Arsenal website. And app, no, that's all we've got time for, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> but we're starting at two. So we... It's going to be an hour-long show in a box at Emirates Stadium, and it's going to have people in there. We have a little audience, and we're going to have a few surprises. And I'm going to try and drag, or get our floor manager to try and drag some celebrity fans into the box for some chats. So Martin Kemp would definitely be on my shortlist. You will be Stony, of course, James. Well, you know, if you're up on club level, we'll try and grab you. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a little bit. You're a little bit different than Matchday Show Never this year. Up so, on uh, club level. You can shout down to me from his seat. <laughs> down on. with the plebs. <laughs> come on, you can just do it. Just drop a mic down. Drop a mic down on a lead. And I'll just talk <laughs> into it from his seat in the lower tier. <laughs> no, no, definitely. Uh, definitely, definitely uh, up for that. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, song-wise, yeah. Yes. Song-wise. Um, yes, the girl was on my shortlist. Um, the other one I had was by Savage Garden. Uh, it's a song about, about sort of love at first sight. I knew I loved you. It's one of their hit, big hits by Savage Garden. And the, the lyrics do fit with William Saliba in terms of, you know, I knew, something told me, my intuition was that I knew I would fall in love with you. And uh, and I think we all did on Friday night. So, um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quite an apt song. Yeah. Okay. Uh, lovely. Uh, that's it for this. Well, I'm saying this week we're back on Thursday, uh, aren't we? We're doing another podcast uh, on Thursday, so listen in then. Thanks to James, uh, thanks to Adrian, and thanks to Abby, our producer, and thank you, listener, for listening. And um, see you later in the week. Bye. 